today I'm going to pick up in part four, which uh, a series we started a little while back called How It's Done. And what we did was we uh, started this series about following and imitating Jesus and how important it is to follow him. And the big thing is this, is that Jesus is actually our example, and he never did anything on the earth as God. He did things as a man, though he was 100% God, he was tempted, everything. He didn't do miracles, you know, until he was anointed by the Spirit. And so he is our example in the early apostles, and the early disciples are our example of how we are to live. And so we're going to pick up where we left off last week and uh, realize this. Jesus uh, was able to use authority in his own life easily. But then on the other hand, there were things that kind of hindered him sometimes with people. It wasn't because Jesus didn't have authority. It's people didn't open up to him. But I know this. Uh, he was convinced of the authority he had, and the disciples were too. And they used that authority that Jesus gave. And one thing we need to know is that we have the same authority Jesus has. So we're going to open up to Ephesians, the first chapter, and I'm going to read a verse that you may be familiar with and you may not be, but I promise you this that we're going to start on is a verse about prayer, but it is something I think that everybody should add to their prayer life, or every believer should. Because the essence of this prayer is important. Ephesians 1 verse 18 says this, in the middle of the prayer, he's praying that the eyes of their understanding, being enlightened so that they may know what is the hope of their calling, and it goes on to express some things, and then the very last thing was about the believer's authority, and right before it, their inheritance. But the thought being here is this. When he prayed, he prayed that the eyes of their understanding. Now, think about it. These eyes are the eyes of your head. But there are other eyes that are called the eyes of your understanding. It's a heart understanding. It's an inward comprehension. When we study the Bible... We don't just need head knowledge. Because when you see how faith works, it works from the heart, not the head. Matter of fact, your head can give you problems at times. Jesus' head gave him some problems. So he said, what do you mean by that? Well, the enemy came and injected some thoughts into his head. And he had to resist those. But... The big thing is, is when Jesus taught about faith or the other people, they talked about faith being from the heart. Now where it says that the eyes of your understanding, some translations or margin notes in your Bible will say the eyes of your heart. In other words, he's saying 
beyond being able to memorize Scripture, you need to see it inside. And you need to ask God, help me to see this from my heart. And when you see it, it becomes real inwardly to you. And that's how faith works. Remember, with the heart a person believes? Well, what is it? They see a truth inside. And then they act on that truth, and that truth becomes effective. This is a huge key to walking like Jesus walked, or following, as we read a couple weeks ago, where one of the writers in the Bible said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Well, understand, we have to see beyond natural knowledge. It's not just who can quote the most scriptures. It's who sees it on the inside. Because when you see it on the inside and then act on it, man, results are forthcoming. So, in the context of this scripture, he wanted every believer to see in their heart, in their core, what belonged to them, the call on their life, meaning, you know, what they're called to do in the local church, in the earth. Because everybody's called to do something, but understand this, it doesn't mean everybody's called to be a missionary or a pastor. And we need to see it inside. And then the truth here, which we're going to look at today a little more, is seeing what belongs to us or seeing our inheritance, where we know it beyond our head, where it's not just a memorized scripture, it's a, wow, look at that. I actually have authority. I can, from a heart level, say, I can resist the devil and he'll flee from me. I can use the authority, which is the exact authority Jesus had, and make something leave. And so, even when Jesus taught about our authority in Mark eleven twenty three, that whosoever would say to a mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, would not doubt in his heart, but in his heart would believe. Or you see it this way in your heart. Then you'll have whatever you say. So I would encourage you to incorporate this kind of prayer when you go to read the Bible before you come to church. When you meditate on the Scripture, Lord, enlighten the eyes of my understanding. What we recognize from this verse, seeing truth is not all dependent upon me. There's a divine influence that will cause you to see. And he prayed this for every Christian that was there. He didn't say if you're perfect or if you're the best Christian. He just prayed for all of them and it worked. And so I would encourage you to pray this for yourself. Pray this for other Christians too. And so the very last thing he prayed was that people would see that they have an exalted position of authority with Jesus. And so, I'm going to have you turn to Romans, the sixth chapter. We need to see things that belong to us, which includes authority. When we see things right, 
it helps us in our walk with God. Sometimes we're saying, oh God, you know, do this for me and do this for me. And we don't realize uh, that Christ has already done something. And when you start to see what's already yours, what he's already paid for from the heart or in the heart, and you begin to act on it, whether it's declaring it or just acting on it, you will see results. So Romans, the sixth chapter, notice this verse, sixth chapter, 10th verse. It says, for the death he died, he died to sin. Why did Jesus die? He died to sin. Not his own sin, our sins. The world's sin. And notice that next word, once. Not twice, once for all or for all people, but for all sin. Notice, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Now turn to Hebrews, the 10th chapter. Notice the phrase, he died once for all. For all people, yes, but also for all your sin that you'll ever commit. But did Jesus just die for sin? Notice this, Hebrews 1, 10, 1, I'm sorry. And we'll begin reading and we'll read four verses. It says, for the law, or we would say the Old Testament, having a shadow of good things to come. In other words, they were showing that there was something good coming. It said, and not the very image of the things can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually, notice this phrase, year by year, make those who approach perfect or complete. Notice there was a picture of hope in the Old Testament. They would offer animal sacrifices one year, another year, another year, another year, and what it did was it would cover their sins, but it could never take them away. It could never change a person inwardly. And I don't mean a change of mind or a change of thought, but I mean give them a new nature and wash all sin consciousness away. Now, people can be conscious of sin as a believer because of how they think. But technically, the Lord has washed every believer. Notice this. It says they can never make them perfect, that Old Testament. For then would they have ceased to be offered. So the picture is this. They kept offering, kept offering, kept offering animals every year, every year. And basically, it never fixed the person. What they were saying was they kept paying but they never paid it off. They never completed the work. They never fulfilled the purpose, but they kept doing it. It says, for then, verse 2, would they have ceased to be offered for the worshipers, notice that phrase again, once purified. Once Purified. How many times do Christians need to be purified? Once. 
I'm not talking about lifestyle. I'm talking about a new nature. Notice, purified once would have had no more consciousness of sins. In other words, if any one of those sacrifices would have worked, they wouldn't have needed to sacrifice anymore. The people wouldn't have been conscious of sin and felt like I need another sacrifice. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. Or you could say it like this. Every time that there was a sacrifice made and it didn't fix them, they knew it helped, but it didn't do the work. And so it says, for it is not possible, verse 4, isn't it interesting? All things are possible with God. For it is not possible in this case that the blood of bulls and goats, or you could even throw in here your good works, or my good works, could take away sins. Those will not do it. They will not. Why? It tells us because they kept being repeated, and that's the same thing with good works. You, your good works will never take away sin. And that's why you'll keep trying. But what you need to do is realize that there has to be some kind of payment that pays it off, and then there's no more. And right here, he tells us in the 10th verse what that one payment is. Notice, but by... That will, or God's design, we have been sanctified, set apart, and washed through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Notice the phrase, once for all. Why does Jesus not have to die again? Why is it wrong for him to die again? Because he paid for it all. Now, we understand here that he died and he paid the price once to wash us clean and give us eternal life. But I don't know about you, but Jesus isn't getting whipped. He's not again and again, or getting a crown of thorns, or becoming poor like the scripture said, so we might be made rich. You could say this, his one sacrifice not only perfected and paid for your cleansing once and for all, but everything else was paid for once and for all also. Not just being made new. Not just becoming a child of God. All the things that He died and rose again once for were paid for. Though right here it emphasizes this one aspect. But there are other aspects of authority and different things that have been paid for once forever. So turn to Colossians, the second chapter, and notice this. This is a one-time thing. And what we're talking about is walking in authority, walking in our inheritance, living a victorious life, you could say. Notice Colossians 2, verse 15. Having disarmed or stripped 
principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. When he died and when he rose again, not only did he wash us free, but because you're clean, you're free from the devil. And Jesus stripped him one time. We don't need God to do something to some special work against the devil. Just like we don't need God to come and do something special about sin. Because he already did something special about sin once for all. He already did something special once for all against the enemy. So we, don't, we shouldn't posture ourselves thinking, God, you need to do something here. I'm waiting on you, God. But in all reality, he did do once something for all that we will ever need. So he dealt with the enemy. He paid for us to be clean and to be new. Notice 1 Peter in your Bible. 1 Peter, the second chapter. And this is part of that once for all. 1 Peter 2, 24. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. How many times did he do this? Or needs to do it? Just once. And it's done. It's finished. It's paid for. It is yours because he did it for you. Notice, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we having died to sins. Notice that. Christians need light. They need to realize when they receive the Lord, they're actually dead to sin. Why? Because of that one thing Jesus did. Called His death, burial, and resurrection. Notice, who Himself bore our sins in His own body on the tree, which He did four times, Every year, no, once forever. Notice the phrase that we now having died to sin. So when the believer or the person receives Christ, all these things he paid for once are ours legally. Though we do need to see him in our heart. Know the truth in our heart. Then act on it. Notice this. Bore our sins in His own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins... Now, if I'm dead to sin, I need to see that I'm dead to sin instead of saying, Lord, why do I keep sinning? Now, He would tell you, I paid the price. You know, I remember hearing a story about a minister who was addicted to cigarettes. I think I've told this once before. And he was at a denominational meeting for his denomination. And every year he would have to um, fill out his papers and say, you know, uh, I believe this, I live a separate life. And one of the questions was, I don't use tobacco in any form. And so he had 
quit with all his might, so to speak, for about three months. So he said, I felt good about the fact that uh, I'm not smoking. So he filled out his papers, and he went to the convention for his denomination, and uh, he was walking the streets in between a meeting, and uh, he got a cigarette. And he went around the side of the building, because he had already turned in his papers, I guess, and he was tempted, and he started smoking the cigarette. And he, he smoked it, then when he got done, he squished it, and just started condemning himself. And he just said, oh God, you know I hate these things. Why don't you set me free? You know, and then started telling God, hey, what's the deal here? Why don't you do something? And a scripture came to him that you're already free. The Bible said you've already been delivered from the power of the enemy. And he was saying, God, why don't you do something? And God basically turned the tables and said, I have done something. He just needed to see it. Not just in his head, but in his heart. And he knew it, I'm free. And from that day forward, his cravings were gone. Jesus already died once for all. We don't have to get God to do something. Now this works in the area of authority, but notice uh, how far this reaches, because we know he died once for all, but, and we all are familiar with the stories in the Bible that tell of Christ's suffering. Notice the last part of this verse has part of his suffering. When he was crucified, he bore our sins. Now we're dead to sin. By whose stripes, in other words, by the whipping, or you could say it by, like this, by the one payment of stripes. He, he doesn't need to do anything else because he only took stripes once. So that means it was enough for all. Notice, by whose stripes you were healed. Not going to be healed. I believe people are starting to see something by the Spirit of God. Beyond their mind. Beyond, oh, I know that verse. They're seen. By His stripes, you were healed. When? Back when He paid for that. Back when He paid to clean people from all guilt and all shame and to change their nature so that they would be dead to sin. Back where He stripped the enemy once for all. By whose stripes, one time, not having to ask, you were healed. If I was healed from His standpoint, just like I need to see myself dead to sin, Romans says it this way, consider yourself to be dead to sin. Well, then you need to consider yourself healed. And you need to consider that the enemy is already stripped of his power. You need to consider that. You need to see that. By whose stripes you were healed. Well, if I was and I see it on the inside, then I can act. 
and actions are a way to release our faith that will manifest these types of things. Notice this in James, uh, the first chapter, actually the fourth chapter, James 4. Now we notice by looking at the things, the scriptures we just read, Jesus paid for more than one thing in his one death and in his one burial and in his one resurrection. And we've seen, I need to see that in my heart. And I believe the Lord is doing that. You'll get thrilled inside when you don't even see a change outward yet. You'll think, wait a minute, this is the truth. I know this to be true. Your eyes that are inside are starting to see. James 4 says this, and understand this, seeing with the eyes of your heart are different than thoughts that come into your head. You can start to get light in your heart and lies will come to you to try to get you to go, uh, well, then uh, I'll give it up and not follow through. In other words, um, you're clean, then lies come. Yeah, but you've done it so many times. And then somebody would surrender that truth. Might. But what you might realize, want to realize is, it doesn't matter how many times you sinned. He paid for them once. He was already determined before he died what he was going to do, and he paid for it all. So when the enemy lies like that, you need to realize I see the truth inside. I've, I've got to stand against that. I'm not going to let go of this truth based on a thought that comes to my head that's not lining up. Like if he paid for this and I am healed and the thought comes, yeah, but you've been that way so long, you don't have the faith. What it's trying to do is to dim those lies are trying to dim the light that's dawning. You with me? You know, you're, you're not good enough, you're not big enough, strong enough, you know, it would work for somebody else. No, it will work for you. It is actually working for you right now. And you're starting to comprehend, so don't let anything talk you out of it. Don't, don't go, well... I, I, yeah, I could be clean, but I've done it so many times. And I even promised the Lord, I'll never do this again. You know, that might be a sin, promising and not keeping a promise. So he said, yeah, that's exactly the truth. That's why I can't, don't feel like I can receive freedom. What you got to realize is that one sacrifice covered that. That one covered that. You say covered that what? That promise you made and broke. The one that you were so determined. Lord, I'll never do that again. I promise. You say, yeah, maybe the first time you asked. No, you might have promised and broke and promised and broke and promised and broke and promised and broke, and broke, 
the promise again and again. Jesus knew, and he didn't have to die again. His work was so complete, it went beyond any broken promises you've ever made to him, and you don't have to talk him into forgiving you. You just need to realize the enemy's just trying to rob you and realize it is a fact that you are clean. You are accepted in the beloved because of one sacrifice. And so you need to realize the same thing is true about the enemy. Being stripped, just because you've blown it, doesn't give him a right. And the same thing in any other area, they do not have a right. You actually have a right to these things because Jesus paid for it for you flat out, period. And you just need to trust with your heart and go, okay, I'm going for it. Realize there will be voices that will assail you to get you to back down. Don't come down from your position. Realize, no, I'm clean. His sacrifice did it. I mean, if his sacrifice can't do it here, it won't do it in, when you get to heaven. If you have to live with guilt here, and then dying, you dying, and then you going to be with the Lord, perfects you, and then you're clean from guilt, then it took Jesus dying and you dying. Let that sink in. No. You will not be perfected when you get to the other side. Somebody might think, great, now I'm in trouble. No, you're actually perfected now. He doesn't need you to die to perfect you. Well, at least I'll be free from guilt when I get there. No. Because if he can't do it here, your death is going to perfect you? No, he perfected once, now here. And so don't let the enemy talk you out of it. Amen? We had more people here this morning. So, well, technically, Thursday night again. We just talk like, what is it, first person? Like, this morning. Well, listen, God's talking to people. Don't, don't turn your eyes away from the light that you're seeing in your heart to the wrong thoughts that are trying to come against your head. Don't do that. Because if you'll focus on those, the light that's coming, it says it will cause you to be filled with light. So we need to recognize that. Um, James 4. Actually, we're going to turn to the book of Revelation. Revelation 1, 18. Revelation 1, first chapter, verse 18. We're talking about imitating Jesus. We're talking about following the disciples as they followed the Lord. We're talking about walking in authority and in victory that's already been paid for. In other words, even a lost person... When they come to know the Lord, the Lord is not scrambling to pay for something. 
all the work was already done for them too. And even if they gave their life to the Lord and lived perfect for five years and then blew it, it was still covered. Doesn't matter. He paid for it before they ever got here. And got on the earth and before they ever received him. And he wasn't scrambling going, great, oh no, this is exciting. Somebody else is going to give their life to the Lord. But we got we to gotta get some forgiveness of sin. It's already paid for. Notice Revelation 1.18. I am he, this is Jesus, who lives and was dead. Now understand this. He was alive. Then he died and now he is alive again. He said, I am he who is alive and was dead. Why was he dead for you? It was like you dying and rising when he died and rose. That makes inward sense to somebody more now. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And you are too if you've received him. Notice this. Forevermore, amen, and I have the keys of Hades, or literally the unseen or the unseen realm. Of Hades and death. There is an unseen world. There is unseen things that belong to you. Healing, victory, it's all yours. Some of those things are in the unseen. And there are evil spirits there in the unseen. There are different things. And he said he got the keys to the unseen. And I'm going to close here in Matthew 16. And we're going to look at what he did with those keys. What do keys do? They open things. They lock things. They permit people to come into a building or not come into a building. They permit you to get into your car and drive it, or not. Keys are valuable and needful for many things. Notice Matthew 16, verse 19. Simon Peter answered and said, Oh, I started in 16, 16. How about 16, 19? And I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Notice he hadn't died yet. But after he died and rose again, he was going to give to the church, to the believers, something. And I am going to give you the keys of the kingdom. Or the unseen. Now remember, he said, I got them. But now he's given them to us, the church. And notice he said this, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth. All you need to do is see this inside. Act on it. Whatever you bind, not the Lord, not the apostles, you bind 
on earth. Notice, earth starts first. Will be bound in heaven or in the unseen. And whatever you loose on the earth, earth starts first. Why? Because you got the key. You got the keys. Will be loosed in heaven. Isn't that interesting? Everything that he bought and paid for, we really have the right to. And it's up to us to believe. It's us to refuse some things. It's up to us to receive things. Or you could say it like this. If he says, I've got it, I believe I've got it. What if I say, Lord, uh, I need that. And he said, I've given you authority. I need to change my thinking, change my believing, and go, wait a minute, I have it. If I've got it, I can start using it. I've got it. If I've got it, you've got it. If any Christian's got it, we've all got it. And we do. And so, we're not going to go any further today, but we'll pick this up next week. But know this, you've got authority you can start using. Everything is paid for. You don't need a giant to come and help you. A giant Christian. You've got the goods. Amen? You've got the goods, and I've got the goods.